Hello everybody. We're here for a quick espresso and geography where a special guest and I talk current geographical affairs for a maximum of 15 minutes. Our first shot of geography-laden caffeine is the recently released synthesis report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, and their sixth assessment report. What is it? What are the key messages? And how can we make use of this information? Joining me is David Priest, Head of Geography at Teach First, having taught 11 to 18 geography in South East London for over a decade, including six years as Head of Geography. And David is also an active and enthusiastic blogger in the UK geography teachers community. David, thank you very much for joining me. Great to be here. Thanks so much. Right, let's get cracking then. So first of all, we'd probably best tell people who the IPCC is. I mean, that, that acronym is getting more and more on people's lips and minds, but let's remind people listening who they are. So the IPCC is part of the United Nations. When they set up in 1988, they wanted to make sure that they had the best scientists advising them and regularly reporting on what was happening. They look at what's going on in terms of science. They look at impacts and vulnerabilities and they look at how we might solve it or mitigate it mm. and they release reports in each of those sections yeah and and the key thing to know is is that they don't conduct new research they collate existing research and they don't get paid to do so that's right they, their intention is to be scientific objective and apolitical they draw representation from the whole world including significant portions of the global south for the sixth assessment report and they make statements that are bracketed with statistical confidence. They talk about likelihoods, certainties, unequivocalities if it's greater than 99% confident. And they set out options for decision makers. They, they sort of say, this is what we know. They don't say, this is what you should do with it. Right. So we can trust from a geographical, from a critical thinker's point of view, that they're quite a strong authoritative source. So then this synthesis report has, has come out. And I've, I've really liked the way that the IPCC has evolved in their pr presentation because I remember I think it was the third assessment report when I was doing my environmental science degree and it was so technical it, I couldn't get through it but more recently we've got these synthesis reports we've got these beautiful visualizations and they're really 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 powerful so for you David what do you reckon is the key messages coming out from this for you do you think well I think you're right they're getting better at summarizing this is the document that presidents kings and prime ministers all read mm. and they've made it available to everyone and they're trying to just hit the high points. So on the physical science, unequivocal cause of a degree, 1.1 degrees of warming, greenhouse gas emissions increasing, those patterns are unsustainable. We've yep. got impacts in every sphere of the planet, atmosphere, ocean, ice, biomes, and we've got measurable and quantifiable effect, effects on extreme weather patterns. We've got massive impacts and losses, damage to nature and people and vulnerable communities who have historically contributed least are yep. disproportionately affected. And I think the IPC is starting to pick up variation and inequality as one of the themes that they're really talking about. When they talk about progress in adaptation, they say it's significantly variable. There's poor financial flows, there's problems for developing countries in the global south. There's lots of adaptation techniques out there, but we're not doing them and there's significant gaps and that and that affects different people in different ways. You said the word unequivocal a bit earlier and scientists do not use that word unless unless pretty much they have no doubt. Like unequivocal in science terms means case closed. Case yep closed that we have reached 1.1 degree warming by now and that all these things are going they don't folks they don't use that word and the other thing that's uh, the new term that came up in the full report was climate resilience and maladaptation 
maladaptation. I never come across that word before I came across the Sixth Assessment Report. And you were saying about vulnerable communities and stuff like that. It's it's all about climate resilience, folks, and whether the adaptation taking place is actually causing problems, not beneficial. Uh, my highlight, I think, David, is um, is figure SM, SPM6. And what this is, folks, this is a diagram which shows the different pathways to a sustainable world and whether all these different things you can do to a, a sustainable world, so low emissions, low climate risk, equity and justice, achievement toward the sustainable development goals, what has to be in place, not only to reach that world, but also can it survive shocks? Now, a shock may be a global economy collapse. It may be uh, a really intense year of, of human uh, disasters through natural also hazards. natural variability within the climate. Natural system, variability. You know, thinking yeah. about a strong El Nino or La Nina year or an unusual pattern in the ocean circulation. These mm. are things that might bobble above that. And I think that, that figure six really pulls in that statement of the longer we wait, the less likely solutions are to overwork. Yeah. And, and we're starting to see the IPCC use language about overshooting we know we're going to exceed the target now. They're pretty confident that that's going to be missed. But if we act, we might be able to bring it back in future and, and return. And that's stabilizing and, and achieving and sustaining net negative global CO2. Mm. That's new language. They've never really talked like that before. Yeah, and what's what's really interesting, and folks, I said this today before we start recording, so I actually have just not long come back from giving a, a, a primary school talk about this year, fours, fives and sixes. And... I always have this problem with climate change communication of how do you remain hopeful? How do you remain hopeful, especially to the youngest kids? You just said it yourself. I played on this stability message is giving us a fighting chance to have a stable climate, which allows us therefore to adapt and and get ready for this new norm. And then we can start getting back to being, uh, to thriving, being back to being affluent, to reduce inequality. That's the, that is the main message that I see coming from this report as well is Yes, we're overshooting. We're missing some targets. The goal is now let's get to a, a stable situation at the least risk possible. That is still possible. And I think it tees up now the expectation of the world's leadership to come together at COP28, which, as we know, is being hosted in a fossil fuel burning and producing <laughs> country. Indeed. And it, it's really putting that pressure on sustained and deep reduction of greenhouse gas emissions that's the that's what they are saying figure five really says this is what we need now cop 28 how are you going to fix it what are you going to do about this and that's that's an that's an interesting space to be in yeah 100 so folks the show in the show notes there's obviously there'll be the link to the report the synthesis report in the show notes and if anything, go and have a look at the figures. Go have a look at the visualizations. Yes, there's still a level of complexity to them. Figure figure one, with the generational use of the climate stripes, the warming stripes from Ed Hawkins, it is a brilliant visualization. It is such a fantastic visualization. So what, so what do you like about that? Because we, we both said that that's our favorite probably out of the whole document. Well, I think, I think what it does, and, and the IPCC have progressively got better at their visualizations mm. and supporting the release of those separate to the document you don't have to go through and crop it off the pdf they release them as high resolution figures which is brilliant for teachers and and people who want to make use of this to spread the message um i think what it shows is that inequality of cause and effect 
the generations who caused this will see X amount of warming. The generations living through the decision-making now will see this pattern. The generations yet to be born will see another. And I think it really shows and echoes what we both know from our work of that different mindset almost among the generations towards the climate crisis. Yeah. Recognizing that the young people have a higher stake in this because their, their future and their outcomes is a different one. And that's potentially a difficult message to hear, but I also think it's quite an inspiring call to action of who's got the stake in this, who really needs to drive this forward and who's going to own these outcomes. Yeah, and I was actually just listening to the, uh, on the drive back from the primary school to the um, Costing the Earth BBC podcast and they actually had the episode about green jobs and they were saying, and there was someone on there was saying that from the National Grid who said they've done studies and focus groups and stuff like that saying young people are now serious that when they go into the workforce, they want to be working for good, not just working for money in terms of the environment. Kids, the kids are all right, folks, in terms of their attitude. They're, they're on this, they know this. What this generational diagram does for, for us, for folks of our generation and the generation older than us, is it, it quite clearly demonstrates, yes. So for me, it's, I'm, I'm, right, I'm pretty much right smack bang in the middle one. So born in 1980, I was 1982, but born in 1980, where it's you know, a, a very kind of beigey, yellowy baby. When I'm a teenager, still a bit beigey, yellow, getting a bit oranger when I'm in my, my 20s or something. And then when I'm older, I'm kind of starting to get to dark red. However, that's my journey, really. That's my journey. If I'm lucky, I'll live to 2060, 20, 2070. But then you've got my kids, just gets redder and it has the potential to get redder. But the bottom of the 70 year old in 2090 is the same color as what I might experience in 2050. In other words, we have the chance of making sure there's a stable climate for our kids and our grandkids. And that's what I love about that diagram. We've got the choice of having the very high future emission scenario, which is, we don't really want them to think about that, but we still have the, the other scenarios to play for. So what do you reckon is the learning for folks then, Dave? What, what would we want to see our teachers, our educators, our students taking from this? Well, I think first the understanding and saying, what do we know now? What is the state? Where, where can we be confident? Over the years that you and I have both been teaching, we've seen a shift in certainty of yes. you know people saying oh we're not sure whether human versus natural and, and we've, we've seen recent sort of um, well-known published resources of the positives and negatives of climate change I think we're moving towards a better and a more unequivocal understanding of what it is and what we need to do about it I think there's still more uncertainty about what the solutions are and how realistic the solutions are this lays out some clear modeling and pathways and, and really clearly shows what are the futures we can choose from now. Um, and for me, that sets up the call to action of, so what? What do we want to do about it? Um, and, and how do we as individuals contribute to that? And how do we as individuals um, collectively exert pressure on decision makers and regulators and, and government? You know, one of the things that the IPCC do here is really call out clear political leadership and governance that is required. Finance, technology, international cooperation, they're critical enablers. It really is saying, world leaders, this is what we need from you. And that's yeah. that's powerful. I, I'm the kind of person, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp about, you know, the, the David Alcock, bless him, the attitude about hopeful geography. I quite find this challenge exciting. I think it can be an exciting time. 
really where we really really go through this and we come out on top and we have a more sustainable just world that's what i hope i hope that this is what this report and cop 28 does um so before before we go then david you mentioned i mean i've on Twitter is always a good uh, source of, of summaries for us. So like Catherine, uh, Professor Catherine Hayhoe has done a brilliant thread on the synthesis report. Folks, I'll put a link down in the show notes for that. And you mentioned Ed Hawkins did a really good um, thread as well. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is increasingly um, people working in this climate space are, are lifting up the veil and showing us what it's like to be at the IPCC. They're talking about their converse, conversations, their conference experiences. Um, Ed Hawkins and his team, the, the, the team who created the Climate Stripes in the first place, have talked about how they got this generational graphic in and how this process happened. And actually, I think seeing the humanity of the decision makers and, and recognising their, their contributions and what they're doing and what they're fighting for, I, that's really powerful too. It, it gives a sense of agency and purpose to what could otherwise be, I suppose, a little bit of a faceless body in the IPCC mm. and a little bit sort of, you know, someone out there in Switzerland writing some technical report. These are real people in the room fighting for this, and I like that. I think that's one of the big, the biggest things of social media and, and the, the more transparent nature of the IPCC, if I'm being honest. Which has been lacking for a long time. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, so... You're, you've done a, you've done a blog on this, which is brilliant. I recommend people take a look at that. That will be in the, uh, the description as well. You mentioned uh, like some tools that education educators can use. You mentioned about what can we do going forward, and there's like the the N roads tool, E N dash roads. So other tools like that would be quite useful. Anything else you can think maybe that you've written on your blog that people can take and run with? Um, well, I think we use this as geographers in a couple of layers. Obviously, there's a lot of diagrams in here which give us real power to explore place-based inequality, looking yep. at the different spheres and, and how different vulnerabilities will be expressed. I think that's really powerful for teachers to use as a, as a brilliant data set. Um, and then we can start to do the assessment and evaluation piece of, you know, why isn't this working? We, we've, we've got... This is the sixth assessment report where someone said, hey, listen, um, yep. I, I think this is a problem. Maybe we ought to do something about it. And, and nothing really has happened. You, there's, a, there's a link in the blog piece to the COP timeline that shows all of the world events and the things that have happened. And you look at it and kind of think, actually, meaningful change has been thin on the ground um, since the Earth Summit kicked all of this off. And, and, and why and how and, and what do we do with that? And I think having conversations and looking at solutions and debating and exploring using things like the En-ROAD simulator gives teachers and pupils an insight into some of the complexities of global governance and, and why this isn't an easy solve, um, why this isn't like banning CFCs to solve the whole, hole in the ozone layer as they did in Montreal. It's, it's much more embedded and more complex than that. Well, David, thank you for joining me for espresso and coffee and talking about the IPCC synthesis report. Once again, folks, I strongly recommend you take a look at uh, David's blog, um, which you can find in the show notes. And I'll also put um, David's uh, Twitter handle in the show notes as well, so you can connect there. Thanks again, David. Cheers, Kip.